0: Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If you've ever heard that saying, what's it all about? You may have answered that with your own understanding about your own life's purpose, what you think it's all about. But from a biblical perspective, when asking the question, what is the purpose of my life? The answer is quite simple. Our purpose is simply to do the will of God, or in other words, to do what God wants us to do. That's why we're called followers of Christ, because our Creator who created us for a purpose has done so, creating us unique in many ways, so that we may fulfill His plan for His creation. We become a part of that plan when we are conceived, and throughout our lives we will accomplish things to further that plan of God for this world. For those who believe, doing the will of God becomes central to our existence, and it's difficult sometimes to understand what the will of God actually is. But when we look at the scriptures and put our trust in them, we find some very interesting things about God's will that will certainly make us step back and take a second look, realizing we may not be doing too good in this area. So Paul writes to the believers in the church at Rome with a command not to be conformed to this world. Or in other words, don't fall in step with those outside the family of God, that which contradicts God, those who are marching to the beat of the world's drum. But simply not being conformed to this world leaves us kind of drifting. What do we do then? How do we behave? Well, he goes on with another command, be transformed. And this word is interesting. It's the word metamorpho. That's where we get our word metamorphos from. It's a combination of two words. Meta to change a place or a condition, and morpho to form. So think of a butterfly who changes from a caterpillar into a new form, a butterfly. It's the same word translated transfigured in Mark chapter 9, verse 2, when Jesus was transfigured with James, John, and Peter. And Paul also uses the word in 2 Corinthians 3.18, where he says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we're being transformed into one image from another. It's a change. It's not just a mindset. It's a whole new reality. So the believer experiences a transformation from one thing to another, from darkness to light, from death to life, and in so doing, we come out on the other end changed. Well, in Paul's letter to the believers in Rome, he adds, By the renewing of your mind, this change involves our mind, which is different than our spirit, meaning that we must consciously choose and desire to be changed, number one, and that's on us. And then God will do the work by activating our spirit, and his Holy Spirit will then come to us, connect with us, and be with us. But the change is something that should be evident not only to the new believer, but to those around us as well. And this change means something. I'm now transformed, both mind and spirit, into something different compared to what I was before. I'm a child of God now. And the role of a child of God is to do the will of our Father. We are His children. So with that in mind, our lives now become different than in the past when we did our own will. We must first seek the will of God, then do it, and then continue in it. Jesus said in Mark chapter 3, verse 35, For whoever does the will of God... He is my brother and sister and mother. And this was in response to Jesus' family wanting to see him when he was ministering in a crowd. Those in the crowd told Jesus, hey, your family's outside. They want to see you. But Jesus elevates the children of God above his own family by saying that those who do the will of my father, these are my family. Peter writes that we must live for the will of God rather than for the flesh, or in other words, my will, my way of doing things, what I want to do, not what God wants to do like, no, we don't do that anymore. That was our old life. Our new life is in Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Or like Jesus said in the garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested in Luke 22, 42, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So even Jesus was submitting to the will of the Father. And if he does, how much more should we? first Peter 4, one. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. So we live for the will of God. And that sounds pretty spiritual, but how can we overcome the flesh? Because that's the battle. The battle's there every day. And it seems so difficult to do because we're continually getting tripped up. Well, God knows we are weak, and He knows that we need His help. So He makes intercession on our behalf through the Spirit, Romans eight twenty seven. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. It's God's will that the Spirit intercedes for us because we need all the help we can get. Sometimes you see the word saints in the Scripture, specifically in the New Testament. Paul addresses the believers as saints in many of his introductions to his letters. And those are the transformed, the believers, those who have defected from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. So in our weak moments, know that God is going to bat for us. He takes care of his saints. We simply have to believe and stay put or abide in Jesus. 1 John 2:17 The world is passing away with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And that's our goal, to abide in Jesus forever. We live for Him. Yes, we're broken and we're messed up, realizing we don't deserve His mercy and grace. And if you don't realize that, you need to realize that. That's a great mindset to have in our own lives. We need mercy and grace. All we have to do is examine our hearts and you're like, oh man, Lord, yeah, forgive me for that one too, please. Add that to my list. As the psalmist says in Psalm 27, four, one thing I have asked of the Lord that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. That's our God. We simply look to him for our strength, our purpose, our help, and he lifts us up and he shelters us. So being a child of God, seeking to do the will of God, involves a lot of change when that transformation begins. And interestingly enough, in my life, that transformation wasn't a one-time thing. It's a continual journey in this light. Things that I used to think of that were not dark are now revealed to me as darkness. And in the same way, some things that were dark in the early days have now become light because my perspective has changed as I've grown in Jesus. So becoming a servant of God or a slave or bondservant, as Paul puts it, is vital and it's good. Ephesians 6, 5, bondservants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ or slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart rendering service with a good will as to the lord and not to man knowing that whatever good anyone does this he will receive back from the lord whether he is a bond servant or is free so Doing the will of God from the heart or doing it with the right motive is important. And I was for a long time trying to do the will of God grudgingly, but knowing Jesus and really drawing close to Him and trying to grasp His love, His righteousness, His grace, power, mercy, authority, etc., slowly begin to change things to where I now understand the will of God is in everybody's best interest, including mine, to do. My will always goes sideways. God's will is sure. It's a firm path to blessing. Therefore, I choose to do it knowing that it pleases God and that as a child of God I have eternal life in Him. It just kind of comes with the territory. John 6:40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him Should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Yeah, I have eternal life and will be raised up on the last day. Why? Because I'm good? Nope. Because he is good and his mercy endures forever. Having eternal life and doing the will of God are intertwined. As Jesus says in Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So right there we see that doing the will of God is criteria for getting into heaven. So a person who goes to church but never focuses on doing God's will, this is a scary verse. So we need to be thankful that our eyes have been opened, at least to the point where we see that, yeah, you know what, Lord, I need you. Without you, I can do nothing. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So seek the Lord and enter into his grace by renouncing wickedness and falling at the feet of Jesus who loves you and made the way possible for all to enter eternal life. Whosoever would believe, they will not perish. Psalm 105.4, seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. Thank you.